Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. Each week, we talk to people with a story to share stories of what they've done to launch a nonprofit. They've done right, they've done wrong, what they've learned, what has helped them be successful and impact people's lives. Today, my guest is Dominique Murphy. Dominique is in the DC area, other side of Virginia from where I am in Lynchburg. And she's got a story to share with you today. So before we get to your story, Dominique, um, you impact people's lives. Tell us a little bit about your life and what your passion is for impacting other people's lives. Hugh, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a big fan of yours and your work uh, for many, many years. I just love what you do and who you represent. So thank you for this opportunity. A little bit about me. I am a, I'm a student at heart. That's how I like to describe myself. I'm a student. Uh, if you take away the resume and all the accolades, I love to learn. I'm a thirsty learner and I love to help people. If you want the resume version of it, my background is television. I started very early on in my career hosting TV shows at the age of 14. Uh, my first show was called Whatever. It was on NBC, the NBC affiliate in Minneapolis, CARE 11. So I did that for four years, went on to uh, achieve, uh, obtain a, a degree in broadcast journalism, and I've worked all over the country in television as a news anchor and as a TV host. I transitioned recently um, into the world of entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism, and I have a couple of companies, and I also am the founder of a nonprofit. The nonprofit is called Readers to Leaders, and we have a project called the Yellow Box Project. Um, just to give you the backstory before I get into that, I am the daughter of two teachers. I love teachers so much. Teachers should be paid way more. That's a whole other story. They are the backbone of our society, and we all are where we are today because of teachers. So I have a deep admiration for anyone in the educational arena. Mom and dad, teachers. I grew up in a household, working class family, but my mom and dad always made sure I had books to read. So at every opportunity, every weekend, my mom and I, I remember we would go to the library and I would pick out three books every Saturday. And then I'd come back and I'd, I'd read those books and I would just get lost in stories. And so for me, I credit a lot of my success as a communicator and as a journalist to the gift that my mom and dad provided me as a child. I had access to books. Well, fast forward many, many years, I'm a mom now. I have two children. I have a almost three-year-old and a one-year-old and they love books, but I make sure that they have access to these books, right? Because education is the greatest gift we can give anybody, anybody in the world. And so a few years back before the nonprofit was created, I was at an event in TV and there was a speaker on the stage and she said, one in four children will grow up to become illiterate adults. And I heard that and I said, there's no way I heard that correctly. So I pulled her aside after. I said, can you please tell me again what you said about kids and reading? And she said, one in four children will grow up to become illiterate adults. So my natural reaction was, okay, well, that's a global statistic, right? She said, no, that's in America. And I still said, 25%? 
a quarter of our population will be illiterate. I said, there's, there's still no way. So I went as a journalist, I like to dig, that's what I do. So I started digging and digging and digging and I found out that it is the case. Shockingly, it is the case that one in four children will become illiterate if we don't do something. So it's a massive problem that we have on our hands. I went into the schools, I went into these urban communities, into the houses of these children, because I wanted to see firsthand for myself how big of an issue this is. And some of the things I found in a lot of these like urban settings, rural and, and urban core settings, a lot of the books in these schools or in these aftercare programs are not catered to the student's age. So you might have a classroom of fifth graders, but the books are at a reading level for kindergartners. You see that often. A lot of the books are dilapidated. They're missing pages. They're missing covers. And a lot of the, the instructors are not actually encouraging these students to read. So that was the big eye opener for me. And as a mom myself, I said, I can't, I can't just sit back now that I have this information and not do something. Uh, that would be a disservice to the world now that I have the information. So I said, okay, here we go, creating a nonprofit. And everyone said, you're gonna, you're gonna, what? You're gonna create a nonprofit? That's not your wheelhouse. Your wheelhouse is like business and television. What do you mean you're gonna create a, a nonprofit? And I said, I don't know, but this is such a big issue. And I firmly believe that together, because it's a communal thing, I said together, we can end childhood illiteracy. Like we absolutely can end this in our lifetime if we come together. And I firmly believe that. I mean, how cool to imagine that you can be part of the solution to end childhood illiteracy in your lifetime. I mean, talk about sleeping great at night, right? So started the process of creating a nonprofit from scratch with no experience. And it's been, it's been a journey. Um, it's been a lot, I've learned so much about the nonprofit space and I've made mistakes and I've learned so many things and I've created a lot of opportunities and aligned with the right people. So uh, we can go into that more, Hugh, but it's just been, it's been a wild ride in a good way. Those are all the key success factors. You know, I, I'm a keynote speaker and uh, somebody first put me on the stage in 2007. And um, as you know, I'm a conductor. So it's the first time I had to face my audience. <laughs> Usually I had my back to the audience, but you know, I kept it up. So um, people introduced me as an, uh, an expert. And I used to say, no, no, I'm a student in leadership, but I am a student in leadership, but I'm old enough to have made all the mistakes at least once. So I, I can claim the expert status. Now, so a couple of interesting things about that. You used to live in Lynchburg and you were a news anchor at our, what is CBS affiliate here? Channel 14? I was at ABC 13. ABC 13. ABC. Oops. <laughs> Long <laughs> letters. And uh, so you left before I got here. I hope it wasn't because you heard I was coming, but you're, it you're was, over that's right. So you're over in the flat part where there's a lot of cars and that 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 what they call the beltway over there on that side of Virginia. Very busy, yeah. <laughs> I think you should move back over here. But behind you, there's some interesting things. There's some trophies and there's your book. So before I get into the questions about the nonprofit, tell us about what those are. Sure. Well, these three statues around that kind of frame my, my head here, those are Emmy Awards. I'm very humbled and honored to say I've earned three Emmys in my career for journalism. Uh, one is focused on entertainment and the other two are news-based stories for uh, anchoring, reporting, hosting. So um, yeah, they've been earned over the years and that's from storytelling, which is something that I, I specialize in. I, I love telling stories. I love learning and meeting people. And that's just something I'm really proud of. And the book, it's called Reset. It is a book that helps people reset their lives. There was a Gallup poll that came out uh, toward the end of last year in the fall. And it said that 93% of people are disengaged in life. 
-hmm. We're just existing. We're not living. There's a statistic that those people, they, they're born, you know, they're born, they die at 20, but they're buried at 80, right? There's that saying. And the reality is what that means is people are just existing. They're, they're not excited to live. They don't wake out of bed, jump out of bed in the morning, wake up and say, yes, I can't wait to change the world and to be a part of society. They're not there. And I get it, COVID-19 has put a, a huge stamp on a lot of people. A lot of folks are losing their jobs. People are dealing with insane levels of stresses that they've never dealt with before. Suicide rates are through the roof. Child abuse and domestic abuse rates are through the roof. And people just need, they just need help. It's a, it's a very weird and difficult time that we are in. And so Reset was actually written before COVID-19 hit, but it came out right around, well, came out in the fall, but before, um, uh, it was written before the, uh, the pandemic struck. And what it does is it helps people work on their mindset and change their paradigm. So if you're feeling stuck and frustrated and you just don't know what to do, it's a 30-day transformational, there's like a workbook in the back to help you go through the steps to reset your mind and yourself so you can feel good, you can feel invigorated, you can wake up excited in the morning, and it just really teaches you how to transform your mindset. Wow. You can find the book on the page for this interview on the nonprofitexchange.org. And there's a link, an Amazon link. Um, if you click on the book, it takes you to Amazon and Center Vision gets a few pennies of affiliate commission for sharing it. But that that's awesome. And it's an important time in history for nonprofit leaders and clergy to learn we've got to reposition ourselves. We've got to reinvent what we're doing. It wasn't working very well before, but certainly now we've got to rethink how we serve, serve the communities that we're called to serve. Um, I'm proud to tell you, I have three grandchildren, uh, two, six, two, seven, and 11, 12, and um, they're all readers. And um, you and I met on C-Suite Network and Joe Swinger had announced a couple of weeks ago, he had launched a new children's book and I got one from my, he gave me one from my granddaughter Moira and I got to, she got to read it to me um, a couple of weeks ago. It was just like such a joy and such a gift. They all love their books and they all love sharing their books. So tell us a couple of stories about some of the children, the impact, the results of your work. Most of us in nonprofit work forget that we need to clearly talk about the impact we have on people's lives. So do you have a story or two you could share with us? Oh, I have so many. Uh, these kids are just so amazing. Like they're just, they're just amazing. And it's hard not to get choked up when you think about their, their stories. But yeah, I'll give you, uh, I can give you a couple stories. Uh, most recently, we were actually in Lynchburg um, a few weeks ago. And we did a delivery at the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lynchburg. And I'll explain after the story how we do the deliveries because it's, it's a yellow box project. And so it's, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It's an experience for these kids. But we did um, a, a drop at the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Lynchburg. And we went down there and the television crews came to cover the story. And there was a young girl who was interviewed. And I was kind of a fly on the wall behind listening in. And the reporter asked this young lady, she goes, what does this mean to you to have to have this device, we give them uh, e-readers, Kindle e-readers. And she looked and she goes, I can now go to college. And I heard that. And so after I said, sweetheart, I said, what did you say? And she goes, I can now go to college with full confidence. And I said, did you honestly think before you got that device, you couldn't go to college? And she said, yes. And so for me, a lot of these children, they don't have hope. They don't have a lot of resources and someone's told them a long time ago that they're not gonna amount to anything because of where they have 
where they came from, where they were born, where they live, right? They've been told you're not going to be anything. So she truly believed she could not be successful until she got a, a Kindle e-reader. And so at the very core, if we can do something to change the mindset of these children to believe they can be amazing, I mean, oh my gosh. But it really, it really upset with me and it kind of bothered me because I'm like, here we have this young woman who could go on to be whatever she wants. She could be a teacher, a nurse, doctor, lawyer, I don't care, CEO, firefighter, doesn't matter. But she believed until she got that device that she wasn't good enough. She wasn't worthy of it. And so changing the mindset of these children, going in and telling them you are amazing, period. Like you can do whatever you wanna do. You're so incredible. You have, you have the same skill sets as anybody else. Like you can do it. But a lot of these kids don't fall into that category. So. The kids we serve, these are kids who are in neighborhoods where they hear gunshots every week, Like that's normal. These are children before COVID-19 when they were going to school, they walk past drug dealers just to get on the school bus. So these kids don't see a lot of happy things. They don't see a lot of bright things at all. It's a very, very dark, um, very dark community. And so if we can shed any bit of light on these children, pour love on them and tell them that they're so cool and they're so amazing and they can accomplish anything that they want, then we've done our job. So those are two examples. I mean, we've had, I had one uh, family who the kids were raised by their grandmother because the father was a murder suicide. The father killed the mother then killed himself. And the, the grandma had no money, like no money at all. And so she broke down and she's like, oh my gosh, this is gonna help these kids so much because I can't afford to give them anything. All I can afford is to keep a roof over their head and, and give them food, but I can't do these little things. So the gifts of literacy in these communities, it's just, it's literally changing the world. And I get choked up because it's, it, you know, it's emotional being a part of it. You ought to, that's, that's powerful. Um, what ages are, are you targeting? So originally it was uh, like zero to 18. And then we figured, well, zero is not quite, <laughs> quite the best market to target. So the, the Kindles that we deliver actually have audio books on them. So we are targeting three to 18, but our niche is like three through 12. It's like our main focus, but we do expand to 18. So if there's a 16, 17 or 18 year old, they absolutely qualify for our products. Wow, and do you target certain kinds of books? Yeah. So let me tell you the concept first so everyone can understand how it works. So it's called the Yellow Box Project, but our company is called Readers to Leaders. Our nonprofit is called Readers to Leaders. And how it works is we hand deliver, well, we used to, but now we're shipping these. They're bright yellow boxes, like big cube boxes. And inside they're bright yellow, like sunshine yellow. And I call them a box of sunshine. But inside they're uh, loaded with tissue paper, and there, there's a Kindle e-reader, there's all the accessories because the whole point of this is not to give parents a bill. So they won't have any sort of, they don't have to pay for warranties, they don't pay for the books that are preloaded. There are 10,000 plus books preloaded and audiobooks on these devices when the kids get them. So that's a big plus. Another thing we're adding into the boxes this year, which wasn't in there last year, is an affirmations coloring book. So the kids will have these affirmations. And for those who are not aware what an affirmation is, it's a saying that, that builds character development. So when they color them in, they become real. And they have messages like, I am amazing. I am strong. I am smart. I am brave. I am awesome, right? And when they color them in, they come to life. And there's 52, because it's 52 weeks in a year. And they color them in, they tear them out, and they, they tape them on like their locker or their bathroom mirror. And we encourage them that every day they look at themselves in the mirror, morning and night, 
and they say, I am amazing. 10 times, I am amazing. I am amazing. And that builds that character development in these children. So I'm really excited to be adding those into the boxes this year. And the kids in the coloring book, they, they're very representative of children from all over the world. So they're, every kid who gets one will find a child that looks something like them, which is really important too. So um, the Yellow Box Project, we hand deliver or ship these boxes. Oh, you have it up here, yeah. There's your logo, Readers to Leaders. And that's, that's, that's substantial. Um, the website is the, T-H-E, yellowbox.org or um, the yellowbox.org. And I do want to clarify because there are actually two readers to leaders. So ours is the yellowbox.org. Okay. With that yellow box. That's how you can remember us. We're the bright yellow box. The other one's in Dallas and we're, I'm not affiliated with that one. So readers to leaders with the bright yellow box is the nonprofit that I started. And if they want uh, information about it, they can go to contact at the yellowbox.org. They can send an email to find out more about it. So, um, Kids are amazing. You know, I served um, mega churches for 40 years as a music director, and I always worked with the third through sixth graders in choirs. And, you know, they have great things to do. When I, I taught middle school one time, I taught, I taught music. And I did uh, a full production of Godspell with sixth graders one year. And people said, it's hard. How did you do it? I said, I never told them it was hard. <laughs> and they just, you know, it's potential ready to go. And sometimes we're the ones that limit. So giving them the tools and the affirmations, uh, when sometimes they don't have it anywhere else. This is this is quite remarkable. I think I heard in what you said that you were in Lynchburg and you didn't call me for coffee later, later. Okay. So, all right. Now you've got a magic wand. It looks like a conductor's baton, but it's a magic wand. So you wave your magic wand and you know, you said 12 months. How about three or four years or, or five years? What's the future look like for this project? Yeah, three to four years from now, everyone in America will know the Yellow Box Project, period. That is that is the, the mission. We delivered 460,000 books by way of e-reader in 2020, and that was our first year. And so this year, it's going, my goal is 4 million. We're expanding fully to the throughout the USA. Last year, we were kind of... Um, popcorning it, if you will. So we did drops in um, Missouri, what do we do? Missouri, Illinois, Virginia, and like the DC area. But this year we're going to really hit hard on Virginia and then expand to mid-Atlantic and then expand all over the USA. And then this is going to be a global program. So literacy is fundamental everywhere. I don't have the numbers of what they look like in other countries, but I do know in America, one in four will be illiterate. So I can only imagine that number is even worse if we look at it, look at it from a global standpoint. So three to four years from now, I mean, we're going fast. I'm not stopping. And I, I, there's just an amazing team of people. I want to clarify, this is not a Dominique thing. This is a everybody listening thing. I mean, folks are hearing about it and they're like, how do I help? How do I get involved? Uh, we just built a board of directors out, which is great. So now there's more, more people advocating and getting the word out there. We're fundraising. And we're just really trying to get into the, to the pockets of all of these communities across the country. So to answer your question again, in three to four years, I see this being a global, and I also see us being a household name. So when you think of readers to leaders, you're like, oh, the yellow box project. Yeah, I've heard about that. And there are others who can get involved. So if they're interested in uh, helping you, they can go to contact at the, T-H-E, the yellow box, not just yellow box, the yellow box.com. So Dominique, you've got a 
pretty important career as a journalist and entertainer in, in the media. And so you said, hmm, I got this idea. I'm going to start a nonprofit. So you, you applied for it. You got it. You said, here's where we're going. You got a team and it was a slam dunk, right? Everything worked out or did you have, <laughs> no, no. So tell us a little bit about, um, you've hit, so far you've hit some of the main leadership success factors that we teach in Center Vision. You, everything you've talked about are things that we tell people that you need to do, but the latest one was surround yourself with successful people. So tell us, what was the learning curve and what was the leadership lessons that you learned? Um, and what would you share with other people about taking your vision and making it become real? I would say, uh, <laughs> wow, how much time do you have? Okay, uh, no, it was, it was not easy. Anyone who tells you that it is, is not telling you the truth. It takes a village, it takes a village, Hear my words, it takes a village to do something like this. This is not a, oh, I'm going to start a nonprofit by myself and change the world. It doesn't happen that way because it is, it is, I wanted to create something and have the world be a part of it that was bigger than all of us. And when you start something like a nonprofit, you cannot worry about the how. It's the how that stops people every time. So when this was created, I said, okay, I have zero experience in the nonprofit world, zero, but we're going to do it. And I'm not going to worry about how, I just have this vision of what it is, and we're just going to do it. And then we're just going to take one step at a time. First step, let's become official. Next step, build a website. Next step, we have a new website coming out in a few weeks, right? So you're constantly reinventing, right? So you're like, okay, it's the next step, the next step, the next step. So for me, uh, yeah, I'm just going to be super transparent and with your audience, because I think people need to hear this. It, it wasn't easy at all. When I first started, I remember just having days, like 18 hour days, and I still work close to 12 hour days, seven days a week on this. And so in the beginning, it was like 18 hour days. And a lot of it was just me trying to, to study the space. How do you start a nonprofit? How does it work? What is, what is an EIN? What is it done? How do, I, how do I get grants? How do I align with people? How do you really run a nonprofit? Do I hire staff? Do I, you know, all these different things it's a nonprofit. There's no money. It's a startup. How do I, how do we make this work? And so it was a lot of research in the beginning. And one thing that if I can give a lesson to anybody out there listening to this, again, it, it takes a village. So when you try to do it all yourself, and that's what happened with me in the beginning, I said, okay, I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to, I'm going to do all the administrative work. I'm going to create, start this, build, help build the website on and on and on and on. And I found that I was like spread so thin that nothing was getting done. And so then I said, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. How can we make this work? Let me start asking for advice. Let me start asking, like that's the word, like ask, ask for help. Ask people, can I have 10 minutes of your time? Can you show me something? Can you, can you help me? Can you help us? Like, let's do this together. And so asking is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now I am a firm believer that if you do ask, you should also give to get. I'm not a, a, a person who just takes, 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 you know, there is a little bit of a give back and I'm not saying financially, but make sure you are giving as well as receiving if you want information for people to help you. So there's a resource that I found that was great called Taproot. It's T-A-P-R-O-O-T, taproot.com, I believe, but just look up Taproot. The logo is like a blue T. And um, I reached out on Taproot. I set up an account and they actually provide you with pro bono services, volunteers who just want to donate their time. So when someone told me about that resource, I said, oh, cool, this is great. So I went on there and I set up accounts. And so I was able to get a team of four people to help. I had someone who was specialized in project management. 
I had a, a woman who specialized in PR. I had a, um, uh, I had a web developer who, who's on our board now who does our web development. And I had a, a gentleman in finances, which was great because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's do this together. Can, can you help me? And so together it was, you know, an hour here, an hour there. And in the beginning, it was more so me still getting the information and implementing it. But having that springboard, having that help was so beneficial. So that was my first piece was getting the help and not being afraid to ask for help and aligning with people who could help direct you in, in, that, in that way. From there, it was a matter of just getting out there, creating a social media page. I got a Canva account. And for those of you who are not aware, Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com, highly recommend it. It's how you make graphics, branded graphics that look like super nice. So instead of paying a PR firm thousands and thousands of dollars a month, just do it yourself. So I created a Canva account. They have a free model and they also have a model that's 120 bucks. I had to get the pros. I paid the 120, but you can create these graphics that, that position you as an industry expert because you look more professional. And when you look professional and polished, you get more eyeballs on your brand. Visibility, right? So media attention, it leads to credibility. And so that was the whole method. It was finding the blueprint of, okay, let's create something that looks professional, then let's get the visibility TV, which gives us credibility in the marketplace. So that was how it was engineered Canva. And then we got a system called Hootsuite, Hoot, like an owl, Hootsuite. Yes. And then we scheduled all the posts. So then everything was dropping in and then it took my time away from social media. I said, okay, now that's taken care of. We have members who are volunteers who are helping in other arenas. Now I can focus more on getting the boxes out there. I can keep going. I see you getting oh, in. No. I, that is like amazing. So um, you asked people and there is, there is the skill in the asking, but there's also the skill in being very clear about why you exist. So let me, um, you gave me some great questions, but let me, I just realized I am interviewing a professional journalist who interviews people. So all of a sudden became very self-conscious. So, <laughs> uh, so you get on an elevator, you're over there, we got high rise buildings, you get on the elevator and you push four and somebody gets on after you and pushes 10 and they say, Oh, Dominique, what is this yellow box thing? And so what you say to them is enough is compelling enough so that when you get off on four, they forget they're going to 10 and they get off and want to know more about it. So when you first answer people, people about what is it you're doing? Uh, what do you say to them? Yeah, I say, we believe we can end childhood illiteracy in our lifetime. Readers to Leaders is on a mission to put thousands of books into the hands of children in underserved communities across America. That is essential. Um, and, and you'd be surprised how many people have these great ideas. And when you ask them to tell a, just something about it, 10 minutes later, you still don't have a clue. And so that was powerful. It was succinct. It was on target and delivered with passion. So I, I think if anybody wonders why you're doing this, they just need to look at you and to see your passion. So Taproot is actually taprootfoundation.org is that the site you're yes oh the logo is yellow i'm sorry i thought it was a blue tea apparently it's a yellow tea the logo there but yeah that is the website go under like nonprofits and set up an account yeah it is like the best thing ever i love taproot so that's a really good recommendation and i have a few other places that might help your audience as well if you if you want me to continue. go for it canva i use myself and it makes me look really good 
yeah, and, yeah, and fiber is canva.com. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's do a couple other resources because what you did was you, I have three definitions of what a leader is. A leader gets things done. A leader figures out how things get done and a leader influences other people. And you said this isn't about Dominique. It's about the vision. So boy, you're hitting on the top topics that we teach. It just is, this is like exciting. So share some of the other secrets, if you will, please. Sure, uh, another great resource. A lot of folks don't know this. There are a lot of places that offer pro bono services for you as a nonprofit, even legal services. You can actually get an attorney to look over everything for you. And so one way I did this was starting off I was like, we're a nonprofit. We don't have money. How do we, how do we, how do we do this without tapping into personal finance? Like, how do you do that? And the thing is, when the readers to leaders first started, it was such a passion of mine that I funded the first 30 kids in the program, like self-funded, because everyone was like, there's no way. And, and when you're starting, you have no proof of concept. You don't have any videos. You don't have anything. And so everyone's like, just stop. Why are you doing this? And I said, because it matters. And so the first 30 kids, I out of the Bank of Dominique, I'm like, we're gonna do this. And we're going to do this right. And honestly, when you are able to do that yourself, people see that and they go, you funded for 30 kids yourself. And I go, yes, because it matters that much to me. And that's how passionate I am about this project. So I recommend that. But in terms of the pro bono services, I started working smarter, not harder. And I do work hard, but like I was so maxed out that I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. I changed my mindset and said, no, this is going to go somewhere, but you have to align with the right people so you can stay in your lane with what you're really good at. You're not really good at finances. That's not your thing. So find someone who's really good at that. Now, when you're a nonprofit, like I mentioned, you don't have a lot of funding. So there are pro bono services across the country that will literally provide you with everything you need, start to finish a whole team of people to grow your nonprofit. So Taproot is amazing. You can find people on there who do marketing, PR, web development, uh, financial services, CPAs, all that stuff is on Taproot. And these are individuals who just want to help. They're like, I, I'll devote six hours a month to help you. There are um, the website that I use, it's called DC Bar. And if you just Google nonprofit pro bono legal help, I believe there's like six organizations in the nation that do it, but, but it's broken up geographically. So if you're in the Virginia area, it's called DC Bar. And what they do is they provide free legal services. So when you create your bylaws, all this stuff is so important that you have an attorney look over everything. Um, you know, you're getting your DNO insurance. Make sure you have DNO insurance if you have a board of directors. Uh, well, we don't know that. So you want D and O, and then eventually E and O once you're operational. But the DNO is critically important. So I didn't know this stuff. So I found an attorney and I said, hey, can you navigate these waters for me? I don't want to end up sued or getting penalized because I'm doing something that I don't, I just, I'm not aware of. So DC Bar, I believe it's dcbar.com, but just Google DC, like District of Columbia, DC Bar um, Pro Bono Nonprofit Services. And you'll find, you'll find it's like a red DC logo. But I found an attorney on there and I'm able to contact him all the time. And I can send him things pro bono. So I sent him my bylaws. He sent them back to me. He actually went through and said, this is not right. This wording's not right. Change this, move this here, add this. Cool. Articles of incorporation. Hey, we now have a board. Do I need to change my articles? He went through them and said, the way my bylaw, my articles were written wasn't necessary. So don't be afraid to ask for help. So look up the legal services and then use Taproot. That's a massive resource to find everything. And my third tip is interns interns make the world go round okay so the place i use is called handshake 
like you're shaking a hand, right? Handshake. You can create a profile on Handshake and post your internship ask, your, um, your um, expectations on there. And you, they will connect you with hundreds of universities in America. And so when I blast it out, it will go, I think I, I think I identified like 60 that I wanted to align with, but you can pick what universities you want, whether it's in your area, if you wanna expand. In today's digital space, you literally can just uh, have someone working across the country as an intern helping you out because they don't physically have to be there anymore. So interns are great because again, you're able to divvy some of those tasks out. Now I'm not about abusing interns. Obviously you wanna make sure you're taking them under your wing and, and showing them how it works and what you're doing. But at the same time, if you can bring a team of interns in to help you navigate those waters, the little tasks, you know, even just scheduling your posts on Hootsuite for social media, that's great for an intern to do. The research, um, there's just so many things out there. Also Google ads, they have a free grant program. You can get $10,000 a month for ads. So if you look up Google ads, nonprofit grant, Google ads, nonprofit grant, you'll find the link to that. It's super easy to fill out. You'll probably get approved very easily. And then you get $10,000 a month in ad space. So it's not a check, but they actually give it to you for ad space. So you can get the word out about your nonprofit to the masses. So those are some resources that really helped me and I think can really help your audience as they navigate these waters. Awesome. Yeah, we use the Google AdWords. We've been using it for five or six years. And um, I spend all of that $10,000 and direct it to places. It has to go to your website, but it's a very valid program. We're gonna, we got a number of people here, I'm sure wanna ask questions. So um, I'm gonna pause just a second. And um, I put the links in the chat for Canva, uh, join and shake for handshake. Um, AdWords, you can just Google, Google AdWords grants, you'll find it. And it's pretty much you, you apply for it, you get it. The trick is being able to use the money. And uh, that was that's an uphill battle to find somebody who helps you uh, attract the traffic and then convert the traffic to whatever you want people to do. But one of our sponsors uh, for um, the programs that we offer for free is Easy Card. And Easy Card is a way that you can create your own virtual card. So here's the Easy Card if you're on the podcast, you can go to the webpage and find it uh, for this interview. But Easy Card is a way that we can be connected. I stay connected with my tribe, my board, my volunteers. And so they text the number, which you're going to do right now. Send a text to this number, 64600. It's five digits, 64600. And then in the message part, the three letters, L D R. 64600 with a message LDR, you'll get a message back, you click on the link and you get an easy card. Then that person, it'll find their email and their name and their, their cell numbers there. So you can say, hey board, we're doing a work project on Saturday at 10. So you can send them a reminder Friday night, boom. And the text is right in their hand. So this is a, you'll have the easy card. It's a virtual card, like an app, but you don't have to download anything. And you get to see what we're up to it in the nonprofit uh, exchange here. And if you look here, here is passionate performance, Ms. Virginia America. And here's the, here's the video of us, the video of me showing you the, the app. So easycard.com. And at the bottom, you can get your own easy card and stay in touch with your tribe. It's about maintaining those critical relationships. 
So Dominique, um, we've got several more things to ask you, but this is this is a number one, one-on-one class on what do you do when you have an idea and you want to start up a nonprofit? And CenterVision has a private community and there's people in there who said, okay, I started a nonprofit, but I didn't miss a few steps here. So somehow you got all the steps and they worked and you, you were stayed with it until they worked. Are you willing to entertain a few questions? Absolutely. And I can answer what you just talked about before we do that, if you'd like. Let's do, please. Okay. So the first thing you want to do when you have a nonprofit, because we all have a million ideas, right? Think of it like spokes on a wheel. And if you're like most people, you're like, oh, we could do this or this or this or this or this. Oh, and this and add food and edit in your mind. It's like, you're like a hamster on a wheel, right? You're like, I can do this and this and this. You got to get hyper-focused and figure out what it is that you want to do. So like, what is the one thing? I, I hear often from people who are like, I want to do education with like, balance houses and then we'll we'll do we'll deliver food and it's like that doesn't work right like you got to figure out what your one thing is and then from there once you have it you want to have there needs to be a, a need for it in the marketplace so a lot of nonprofits that i hear sound amazing but there might not be a need you need to find the numbers figure out is, is this a need so readers to leaders 25 percent of american children will be illiterate that's a massive need so when you figure out what it is you want to target, make sure there's an actual need because when you're going to people and asking for donations and for help, if there's not a true need figures wise, right? Numbers that you can show people, then it's more of a hobby. And they're like, okay, but when you tell people, listen, this is a massive problem. We're talking about one in four children and it's not, and it goes deeper than just illiteracy, which is awful. But if you can't read, you can't get a job. You can't function in the world. And what we find often is with these children, when they cannot graduate, when they when they're feeling like they're ten steps behind, a lot of them drop out of high school. And when they drop out of high school, what do they do? They have to eat. They have to survive. So often, what we find is uh, often what we find is they resort to crime because that's a way to get a quick dollar. They need to be able to eat and. and uh, sorry, I hear some feedback. They need to be able to eat and be able to support their families and, and themselves. So the quick way to get money is you resort to crime. Well, that makes jail rates go up, right? Incarcerations go through the roof. It's a cyclical effect. Even from a healthcare standpoint, when you're not educated, you don't know the difference between feeding your children a well-balanced meal or going to the gas station and feeding your children hot Cheetos and soda. And that's, oh, that's another huge issue as well. But that comes with the education and literacy. So it's not just illiteracy, which is, again, a massive problem. It is a cyclical, massive snowball effect that affects everybody in some way, shape, or form. So it's, figure out that there's a need in your community. It's massive. And it's hidden. You know, where you used to live, where I live in Lynchburg, Virginia, it, before the Civil War, it was the second wealthiest city in the country. Now we've got some of the highest poverty in the Commonwealth of Virginia, 24.5%. And where I live, I, I look out my window at Fort Early, if you know where that is in, in Lynchburg, where I live in the 01 zip code, it's 41.5% below the poverty line. So I imagine there's a lot of children in that demographic that have challenges and, and don't have reading. So some of that noise, I've invited people to open their mics. And so we have some questions. Are you, are you willing to take a few questions? We have some really good folks yeah. here. So that, that noise was coming from uh, Dallas, Texas. Bob Hopkins, who's uh, the author of this book, Philanthropy Misunderstood, an essential book for anybody's coffee table. And Bob, I know you got a question for, for Dominique. 
Oh, right. And well, first of all, Dominique, congratulations. I think you're amazing. Not very many people are like you. I don't uh, know that the world knows that there's only one half of one billion of a percent of people who can do what you've done. And so obviously God has blessed you and congratulations again. Thank you, um, That means a lot. What, what is the major challenge that you have in now that you've created this nonprofit organization to get where you need to be and where you want to go and accomplish what your goals are? The number one thing is it's funding. As we all know, I think that's what every nonprofit struggles with is funding. So we created the board of directors. So that's brand new. And it is a dynamic team of individuals who are mission focused. I have a few board of advisory seats open. So if anyone's interested, please just shoot me a message and let me know. But it was aligning with the right people who specialize in different areas. So we have folks who are really good in, on the strategic, uh, in the strategic arena, folks who are good in finances, folks who are really good in fundraising. And so like I have a 333, I have some that are good in marketing and PR. So it was, it was creating a board that can really, everyone can go in their own directions, but together it's a really strong unit. So funding is always the top thing. We came back together this year and now the focus, we're, we're coming up with our, our um, fundraising strategy plan because we wanna hit the ground running very hard starting March 1. And that's going to be our outreach season. So we're really building up for that. Funding is the toughest thing. Um, but I, I truly believe once you hone the messaging down of what you are and you're very clear as to what you need, it becomes an easier ask, not easy, but easier ask for people when they can really see it spelled out, right? So we're building all the pitch decks out. We are just getting everything in place. We have a new website, as I mentioned, coming out soon that will really help someone see the vision themselves because I find people are very busy and if they're going to donate time or money, they wanna be able to see it very clearly. There's a book called Don't Make Me Think that I love. Can't remember the author off the top of my head, but it's called Don't Make Me Think. And essentially what it is, when someone comes to your nonprofit, they don't have time to figure out, wait, what's, what, are you, what is it? Who are you helping? How does it work? Right, it just needs to be crystal clear. So getting that messaging really clear was like a big part of 2020. Now in 2021, it was building out the board, becoming hyper-focused. We actually have like milestones for each month. So at the end of this month, the goal is to have all of our partnerships in place. So we want to partner with organizations. Think of it like a supply chain. So we want to be able to partner with Boys and Girls Clubs or Head Start or um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So instead of trying to reach out to children individually, we can funnel our services through these organizations and touch so many more children faster. So that's how we want to scale it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of the, the focus now is really implementing that strategy. That's a great question, Bob. Thank you so much. He always has really good questions. Bob and Jeffrey are on the call and both of them are CFRE professionally certified fund, fundraising professionals. Jackie Zoelli is on here. It's the first time you've, you've been on here. Jackie, uh, do you have, where are you calling in from? And where do you have a question for our guest today? I'm calling in from Arizona and um, I am fascinated. I'm just beyond fascinated because there are so many things that are available to you um, in partnership that I would love to entertain and I, we don't have enough time. Um, literacy is one of my big um, things. So um, I'm very impressed, of course, as we all are. And yes, if we could only clone you, um, it would be wonderful for the rest of this world. But the way that you're working, you'll find those people because they are there um, ready to work on. Now, any question that I have for you, 
Well, it's all built around partnering and I can bring quite a few people to your table. So I'm gonna put my information in the chat in case you wanna get a hold of me. That's, that's really all I can do at this point. Thank you so much, Hugh and Dominique, I appreciate it. And, and, and Jackie has connected me with some amazing people. The most recent is the Democratic Republic of Congo. What they're doing there to promote leadership is really amazing. So she will do that, Dominique. She will, she will connect you. So that's that's my ask of anyone here. If, if you are, like I said, I have five board of advisory positions open that I'm trying to fill. So if you have a passion for it, or if you're able to connect, another partnership area, Hugh, that we're looking to align with is we, we're building out an LMS system on the website. So it's a learning and management system because the children get e-readers, as I mentioned. The e-readers have 10,000 books on them. And then we're, this year, we need to be able to measure and track success. So the learning management system, when the kids get their e-readers, they'll enter the number on the back so that way we can track the e-readers. So I can tell how many books they're reading. Now, the thing is they're gonna come on every month and that's part of the memorandum of understanding between us and let's say boys and girls clubs once we create those partnerships, which are not done yet. Uh, they would sign a memorandum of understanding essentially saying once a month, they're gonna make sure these students go on to the computers that they have at their facilities and fill out um, a few questions. So how many books did you read this month? What was your favorite book? Can you summarize the book? What would you change about the book? If you could, if you could change it, if you were the author, what would you add to it? Because it's not just giving them a device and hoping that they read it. We actually want this to be effective and we want to measure and track that success. So a part of that, another partnership that I'm looking to fill, which is, which is not done yet, is finding partners to incentivize these children. So when they go on and they complete their task, maybe they get a, a, a coupon for a free lunch or they get um, something like, like shoes. A lot of the kids that we serve, they like athletic shoes and athletic wear, things like that. Um, I wanna stay away from music and, and devices because the whole point is to create readers and not to provide these entertainment elements. But in terms of maybe athletic shoes or um, lunch or things like that, so each month when they are badged, when they are incentivized, they're like, oh, that's so cool. I'm gonna read double the books next month because I can get to the next level. And so that's a partnership that we're looking to fill as well. So if anybody knows anyone in the alignment partnerships or incentivizing or something maybe I'm not thinking about, I welcome any and all feedback. Absolutely. And Bob and, and Jackie, thank you for putting your email. If you would reach out to, to Dominique, she's busy talking so she can't copy it. it uh, contact at the yellow box is in the chat. Contact at theyellowbox.org. we got time for one more brief question and we have a uh, Mr. Rash here from Bedford, um, who has run Legacy International for, for plus other nonprofits. And I know there's, hey, hey. there's some stuff near and dear to your heart. So uh, Mr. Rash, do you have a question for our guest today? Well, first of all, I wanna thank her very much because her passion and her enthusiasm are, uh, shall I say, viral. <laughs> to use the inappropriate term for the time we're yeah. living in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I empathize with the, the, the struggle and I uh, salute you for your accomplishments because, you know, uh, after 40 years and doing a number of nonprofits, it is uh, quite a journey and you're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. You, you touched on so many points that we do in our organization, Legacy International, uh, globally. We're, we're a global organization. Um, we also here in Bedford have a school from uh, preschool, Montessori, all the way through high school. 
So we identify with the children, we identify with the reading, and I identify with with the leadership development that has to be um, that has to be from earliest childhood all the way through um, adulthood and service to the community. Uh, so thank you very much for your beautiful presentation and your enthusiasm. Um, I you, your name does did sound familiar, and I think I recognize you from um, Channel Thirteen and. and um, maybe at the time when Jeff was there as an anchor, um, Jeff Taylor. Uh, oh, what, I, the, I came the, a few months after Jeff left. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay, so that, that's that's good. He's an old friend and one of the first people we met when we came here in 1975. Uh, you know, uh, we use LMS systems globally. We're using them right now in two programs through State Department programs with Tech Girls. Uh, that, that we're just start, we're doing now and a professional fellows program. And it's really quite successful. And we have a wonderful staff of people who are highly skilled at LMS programs. And if you need to have any uh, brief contact with anybody who's used it and can tell you some of the pitfalls or some of the wonderful ways to navigate it, I'd be glad to, glad to share contacts with our staff with you. I would uh, love The to one question that I have, uh, one question I have for you, uh, and I'll put it in the chat or my contact information. The question, one question I guess I have for you is something that we're also looking into after uh, so many years is sponsorship. Have you looked into sponsorship given that you, the profession that you are in and have been in for, for a number of years also, how, how are you approaching or are you approaching sponsorship? Because, um, you know, uh, you had a wonderful guest on a few weeks ago, I guess it was a couple of months ago, who, who did sponsorship. Uh, I forgot, I'd lost your name, you, you could tell Charmaine, me. Charmaine, Charmaine Hammond, yes. Charmaine, yes. yes. Charmaine Hammond. And, and, and she was talking about sponsorship and that sort of lit a little fire under me. And I was wondering what, you, what your thoughts are about sponsorship. I actually have not done sponsorships yet. So yeah, I, I can't speak to that, but I would I would welcome learning more. That's not an area that I have tapped into at all. Um, and I will make sure I smell some several collaborations here. So, um, Mr. Rash, yeah, I, I will connect you. I think there's I think there's some synergies in what you're doing, and you're a very faithful uh, servant of humankind, for, which Bob Hopkins has taught me is philanthropy. So. Um, before I leave, thank you for that, uh, Mr. Ash. Bob, you're still there and your mic is off. So if you would come back on, um, let's just do a little bit of promotion here. Um, Bo uh, Bob's um, pro programs with youth are quite amazing. And uh, in, in last year, we hosted uh, with Bob a youth philanthropy conference. We're doing it again on March 6th. It would occur to me that you might have some stunning young people that would show up. So Bob, this, this is a good time to do a commercial about that conference. Why should, why should she send people here? And I will put the link on the page and make sure people have a link so they can know about it. But Bob, can you give her the, the, the 30,000 quick view of what it is and why she should care? Right, thank you so much, Dominic. This is an incredible opportunity for us to be able to connect with you in some way or another, and this is it. Um, you know what, a long time ago, I decided that if you're gonna get philanthropists to be philanthropists from an early age, you gotta start teaching them age second grade, seven years old, so we do. 
We have a program called PAVE, Philanthropy and Volunteerism in, in Education. And then we decided because of the pandemic, we might as well not meet face-to-face, but let's meet worldwide. And so on March the 6th, we're going to do that. Host is um, Hugh Blue, and uh, we did one um, on uh, in June, June the 27th, and it was hugely successful with 60 kids from around the world. This year, we're g- going to try to get 120. We have two different groups. We have 5 to 11, or 7 to 11 and then 11 to whatever age people want to feel like they're not a kid anymore. But anyway, uh, we'd love for you to be a part of this, but we have young people who are actually going to share their experiences around the world and changing the world one person at a time in philanthropy. So thank you very much, Hugh, for this opportunity. I will make sure she knows about it. And Dominique, those kids put me to shame. The, the, the eight, nine, 10-year-olds were quite amazing. They were all amazing. And the teachers, the leaders of this are four youth that have been through uh, Bob's program. And they're just amazing. So all I did was say, now here's so-and-so. I had the easiest job there. So Bob, thank you so much. Thank you. So Dominique, you've heard from some some amazing people, but uh, that's because you've attracted them. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I'm uh, that, that's that's a commercial. We'll do one more sponsor moment, then I'm going to let you close this out with whatever you want to challenge people with or inspire them with. You get the last moment. But Center Vision publishes a magazine called Nonprofit Performance 360. Here's our friend Sh- Frank Shankwitz who passed away recently, who formed Make-A-Wish Foundation. He was a motorcycle policeman. And if you haven't seen his movie, Wish Man, it's on Netflix, it's free. You must see Wish Man. It is an amazing movie. I knew Frank and he interviewed on the show. And um, the magazine we send out to nonprofit leaders, but our sponsor is Word Sprint. And Word Sprint teaches us it's a three pillar. It's a mailhouse. You want to stay in touch with your tribe. 30% is the message. 30% is the right person, 30% is a rhythm, regular communications about what's been happening, stay in touch with your tribe, wordsprint.com, Bill Gilmer and his team will be happy to share from their two and a half million mailings and 20 years of doing this, why it's important to send something people can hold in their hand, wordsprint.com, they make our work possible. Dominique, you've given us so much. This this will be transcribed and people can see all of those great tips in writing. So what do you want to leave people with today? Oh, that's a great question. So many things are running through my mind. I just want to say thank you. This has been such a fulfilling conversation with you, Hugh, and the audience. Thank you for listening and for caring. I just think it's a, it's a beautiful space. And I just want to pour some love and flowers on you for creating this space for people to come and be able to share and collaborate. I think it's a beautiful thing. We need more collaboration in our world and not competition. And so whatever I can do to be of service to you and to your audience, I just would love to know how I can support the mission and what everyone else is doing. So just thank you. Dominique Murphy, um, reinventing, what's the name of your book again? Reset reset you've reinvented life you've pivoted to a new place there's so many words that describe it but you figured it out and you had the commitment to make it happen and that's what's so often missing you had the stick-to-itiveness to say i'm going to figure it out so my hats if i had had it would be off to you i have my admiration for what you've done and i'm so pleased that you could be on the nonprofit exchange today you've inspired 
many people and many people will see the replay and be inspired. Dominique Murphy, you can find her at theyellowbox.org. Contact at theyellowbox.org is her email. Dominique Murphy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.